0: So how, on God's gray earth, did this
1: and
0: this This
1: you scream again Black All Sun won't you come while she rain black all sun won't you come?
0: Become this everybody up.
2: and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album, or it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Once again, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So follow us at a social distance. And um, this week on the panel, we have Logan Renard, Matthew Marr, and my name's Scott Livingston. And this week we have a uh, special guest from Parallaxis Design and Fabrication, as well as a uh, terrific alto saxophonist, uh, Aaron. Say hello to everyone. Hey, everyone. Hello. So, um, before we begin, uh, this week we're going to um, be discussing the 2009 solo album by Chris Cornell, Scream. Now we've done about, uh, what, 45, 50 of these episodes? And um, first question out of the box, is this the worst album we've had to do? <laughs> oh,
3: wow. It's uh, It's kind of a train wreck. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't like it,
4: but I maybe attributed some of that to uh, it's very contemporary. It might be one of the most contemporary albums we've we've discussed. And so I think maybe some of my reaction to it that was negative might have just been, oh, this is what music sounds like now. And I just haven't checked in in a while and I, it sucks and I hate it. But, you know, <laughs> it sounds about right. We're grumpy old men.
2: I mean, if this was a, an album by some unknown, super unknown guy, uh, I I don't think I would hate it anymore. I would just be less confused.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I uh, I did a lot of uh, I, I went back and listened to uh, the bulk of uh, Soundgarden's discography uh, after exposing myself to to this. Oh, man, I don't I don't even know how to sum it up. I think the best way to sum it up is uh uh Soundgarden songs. Uh they kind of explain where this is coming from. Um nothing to say really stuck out in my mind. Uh a lot of the songs on this album have a a similar theme. It's all about uh love going really wrong for Chris Cornell or whoever it is. Like uh yeah. The first track, yeah, the first track, uh part of me I watched the video for that earlier, and it kind of is indicative of the whole album. uh, Every every verse, he's in some different type of dance club. He's in a he's in a uh, like a a contemporary dance club, like I don't know a techno club, and then he goes to a country bar, and then he's in a hip hop club, and the whole time he's out of place in every single one of these places, and. And his voice does not match the production at all.
4: Yep. (laughs) No,
3: no.
2: I mean, apparently this this album debuted at number 10 on the Billboard, became Chris's first solo top 10 album. And then the next week it dropped 55 places to 65, which was the um, largest uh, second week draw from a top 10 debuting album in like two and a half years. So
3: yeah people had high hopes i mean his uh, his other solo albums are 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 pretty decent yeah um you know he he kind of has the similar theme of angst that goes through everything that he did because he was kind of a troubled individual um but uh yeah him teaming up with Timberland to do uh to do a pop album his angst just does not convey into any kind of toe-tapping uh
0: dance pop arena at all (laughs) i think that's the right description this is a this is a pop album it's not a rock album Um, uh you know not not even close can we talk a bit about uh for our listeners who may be unfamiliar who is who is chris cornell well he uh Chris Cornell
3: is pretty much the pioneer of the grunge movement. Soundgarden formed in, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was 1984. He, uh, and, uh, they pretty much dominated the, uh, the sound of the Seattle scene up until it became a big thing. Soundgarden was the first grunge band, grunge band to get signed to a major label. And they kind of carried everybody else up on their bootstraps, uh, uh, Temple of the Dog, Andrew Wood, was uh, Chris Cornell's roommate, and when he died, uh, they formed a tribute band called Temple of the Dog, and he introduced the, the world to Eddie Vedder.
1: Thanks. And
3: Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam came out of Temple of the Dog, so it's, um, yes, the Seattle scene was a real incestuous thing.
4: Melting pot, like a plague, they spread.
3: Yeah, but uh, but Chris Cornell was pretty much the uh, he was he was kind of the solo pioneer, and unwittingly, I believe, kind of carried everybody else up with him. One so one of the things that
4: always yeah. blew me away about Soundgarden was that their their was that their third album was it Super? Super Unknown was kind of the one that that blew them up. Um, it was produced by Michael Beinhorn, who. You might know from uh, uh, the band Material, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. He was a keyboard player in Material. He's also on uh, Herbie Hancock's Future Shock with Bill Laswell and a bunch of other awesome people who are also in Material. And he produced Super Unknown, which is probably one of the most successful grunge albums and kind of typified that style. Um, And one of the anecdotes that I really liked about that album was I think it, Beinhorn made them... Uh, basically every song was in some, uh, you know, variation of a big stack of fifths tuning on guitar. They just like a drop D variant and, uh, uh, Beinhorn was pretty much like, uh, Hey, every single song you have on this album is in the same key could you try to like, let's fix this. Let's just tune. Let's use that same tuning, but just like, let's tune it up a half step for this song and down a half step for this song and up a whole step for this song and down a whole step for this song in an attempt. To,
1: I can yeah, buy a in capo. An attempt to make every song not sound
4: exactly the same. Uh, I always thought that was funny. I, I like that. Yeah. album. It's it's fine. It's, it's actually pretty neat, but, uh, um, but I, I just, that, that, seriously blew my mind uh, having lived through you know all of this being contemporary and you know everybody really liking it and then like years later being like oh this has a connection to a lot of like weird artsy jazz crap that i i is really some of my favorite music so
0: weird yeah i was gonna say you know Soundgarden. Yeah. um as far as the grunge stuff goes i i always uh I I think I liked them the best, and maybe it was because they were the first. I don't know. I think it, I think it has more to do with that. They're, they're, they seemed to be um, more progressive, and you know I don't yeah, mean yeah definitely I, yeah they they uh, you know they were trying to move mm-hmm. forward, and I you know I really felt um, you know bands like Nirvana and even uh, Pearl Jam to to some extent they were very much backward looking. You know they were looking to a time well, when when music mm-hmm. was real, and they're going to make it real again. And Soundgarden seemed to be heading you know heading forward well like like Pearl Jam oh, yeah. is like just
4: some lowest common denominator 70s rock crap with different clothes <laughs> I mean they're they might as well be like Badfinger or something you know like with with flannel
3: yeah they, they they found success by kind of rehashing a lot of forgotten classic rock and uh, yeah, there's nothing particularly special about Pearl Jam. They were just in the right place at the right time.
2: Well,
4: and that Eddie Vedder's a yeah. cutie. <laughs> you should see him playing yeah. ukulele. I will uh, never forgive Ed for the ukulele resurgence.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, somebody
4: yeah. has to be blamed.
3: Well, he also he also introduced the world to Yarling, the uh, the signature uh, signature vocal style of the of the mid '90s. Uh, it.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs>
3: girl.
1: Girl. Girl. Yeah, that's it. That? Countless yarlers. Insert family guy clip.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, by 2009, when this came out, uh grunge had had come and gone. I mean Kurt was, you know, fifteen years in the ground by that point, and um apparently the impetus be- behind this album is that Timbaland was originally just going to remix some of Chris's songs, but um they got along so well, they just like hashed this out really fast. And uh according to Chris, he 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 was really integral and in, and in part of the the writing and creating of this album, which surprises me because he feels about as um essential to this as Elton John did on his disco album. I mean, they just plopped his voice down on top of something
0: completely unrelated to anything he did, but
2: you know he's really proud um, of it.
0: Chris yeah. Cornell was also an audio slave and uh I I uh I got few, Well you know whether 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 good or bad whether good or bad <laughs> I will I will say my impression of it was a was a, it was a similar I phenomenon. Hate that band. <laughs> it it was like a, yeah, yeah I'm it, not a huge fan yeah, either, I but. think it um it was as if there was a band there and they just put Chris Cornell's voice on top of it. That's how it seemed yes. to me. Yes. And, uh, and later, yeah. later
4: Soundgarden. Yeah. I mean, and, and sorry, uh, sorry, Mike, but you know, with beginning with super unknown and their commercial success, they really like, uh, uh, uh not audio slave, but uh, rather, uh, uh, Soundgarden goes from being really kind of innovative and, and, and cool with their approach and songwriting um, and being a very sum of some of its parts kind of band to being this kind of bland uh, band that is just a band to back up Chris Cornell, and they, they move closer and closer mm. to that. Yeah. And by the time you hit Audio Slave, it it really is that. It's just like this is Chris Cornell and his backing band. They they don't don't feel like well, they yeah. go together at all. Um, all of this shit like on paper sounds really awesome and then in execution is is pretty bland and safe
3: yeah he was basically hired to replace uh zach de la rocha for uh uh rage against the machine because uh yeah they they, they split uh and it wasn't necessarily amicably amicably either uh i believe it was uh 2007 audio slave just couldn't hang together they just didn't have the kind of synergy that uh, Chris felt in Soundgarden yeah like a
2: stone (laughs) I think there's a reason why both you know uh, Tom Borello and Timbaland keep you know hiring Chris Cornell even though he doesn't make sense with what they're doing is he is a phenomenal singer as a vocalist he is amazing but um As the title implies, there's just one thing Chris does, and it doesn't go well with, you know, drum machines and and string samples and all that kind of stuff. Uh
3: Well, I think uh, I think Scream could be well summed up as the day he tried to live, so to speak. Uh you know just like trying to get out there and and just be somebody and then at the end of the day feeling like he failed which is kind of a theme behind a lot of his lyrics i've noticed he's just he was he's always his lyrics were kind of like the way he dealt with his uh agoraphobia and uh general depression and uh it's not really toe tapping.
2: Yeah. doesn't make for good <laughs> pop music. No, not at all. I mean, he, he wanted to do something like dark side of the moon or a, a night at the opera that was all psychedelic and all the songs run together. And uh-huh. I think that was part of the problem is all the songs run together. Oh, they, they, they do. It's like, uh, I, I
3: took some notes actually, uh, what, uh, from the, from start to finish, you got part of me, uh, which I already talked about watching the video, but then uh, Time, another song about Dying Love, uh, Sweet Revenge, uh, about uh, gold diggers. He seemed to have a lot of gold diggers in his life, uh, particularly uh, his, 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 uh, his widow, Vicky, who's currently suing Soundgarden. royalties she felt like she's owed because of work that he provided that they have not compensated her for and that's classy move yeah and so that's that's currently uh that's that's in the court now so um courtney was
4: single
2: at this time i don't know see why he didn't just you know hook up with her (laughs) oh yeah right or maybe she was dating ed norton at this point i don't know
3: (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, his, his former wife was, um, Susan Silver, who was the, uh, manager for Alice and Chains. And, uh, that, that fell apart in, uh, what, 2004.
2: So this Um, is his revenge album. Only he wants to,
3: (laughs) this is very much a revenge album. It seems like he's getting a lot of stuff out about like, uh, even the title track scream is like, uh. You know, the, the video is just like he's sitting there, just despondent, while these women in his life are just yelling at him, and that's kind of the theme of the <laughs> the, the the song itself.
2: It's kind of the general theme of the whole album. Well, do we want to get into it? Start with the uh, the first track, <sighs> "Pot especially. of Me,"
1: yeah. if, if we must. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yay,
3: I can hear what Timbaland is trying to do there. The soundscape is, would be, I mean, man, Cornell's voice just does not lend itself so, well to that production. I was going to save
4: this for later in this mess of weird songs, but uh, um, this whole album just sounds like uh, rejects from his uh, James Bond theme. The this, is, this is all <laughs> the stuff that they're oh, yeah, like, what no, was that song? try again, do another one.
2: I do like the fact this opens with like that fanfare, and then we get some spoken word thing. I was I was excited for a second. I thought maybe we're gonna get some music from the Elder level kind of concept album, but then it turned into. I mean, (laughs) I've not paid attention to pop, well, ever. So uh, is this what it all sounds like, Scott? I think
4: you are actually.
2: I have lots of Britney Spears albums, but she's not pop. She is art. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs)
0: Fair enough. So can we talk about uh, Timberland just for a a second? Um, I I mean, I don't, I don't know that much about him, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, just tell a very, very quick story um, tangentially related to all of this. Uh, In a recent issue of Tape Op magazine, they interviewed this, this uh, mixer. She's a. uh, super talented she's out of Miami and um, uh, you know she's done people like I can't remember her name off the top of my head but she's done people like um, I think pink and Madonna and a, you know had huge hits right in the pop world and she got her start I guess with Timbaland who um, you know when she was young and Timbaland was uh, thought she was a great mixer so you know um, hired her to engineer his latest thing but but uh, what I wanted to get at was is that so sh- she's a super successful mixer uh, she goes into um, And engineer, she goes into producing and and she made this kind of offhanded comment. The interviewer asked something like, uh, well, how was that transition? And she said, well, I had never actually recorded musicians before. And and I, I was I was like you know I was just like wow like you have a whole career and and you know you've recorded say vocalists but you've never actually had a musician where you put a microphone up to record what they were doing everything was sampled and and looped and and all of that stuff that's what pop music is I mean today yeah, I, that's what it is I would,
4: I would like to say that running a a a DAW or running uh, like an MPC how a lot of this stuff was composed or, or just running MIDI instruments or arranging MIDI stuff is an instrument. And that is one thing that I, I do get a little bit cranky about when people, you know, I, I like, I don't know. I, I think coming through an era of that stuff, having to fight for its legitimacy as music. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I think, yeah i think i think i think producers caught a lot of shit for a long time because they were um uh, you know didn't they weren't uh virtuosos of a particular instrument that was traditionally involved in popular music and and i i think there was often a lot of like uh a uh, uh, racial component to that um and uh i i i think that Um, I mean, like music schools are now teaching um, like production classes as um, as part of their curriculum that like don't involve necessarily traditional music notation and instead use like, you know, MIDI, MIDI notation and things like that. And I, I think producers like Timberland. Um, are kind of behind that. I think a lot of that's, that's how me, it's not like this is a new thing. Whenever people are like, I I hate this new thing that these kids are doing crap. It's like, yeah, for like the last 30 something years,
0: like, um, yeah, look my, but, my, look, my point is not that it's music or not music or anything along yeah, those lines. Yeah. I'm a big fan of electronic music, actually. That, that's not what, what I was trying to get at at all. My, my point was twofold. One, I'm really just amazed that someone could have such an illustrious and successful career as a recording engineer without ever actually having to deal with real musicians. I mean, as a composer, that sounds like a dream come true. Um, but also, I think it, it really distinguishes the difference between um, popular music and what was rock and roll music. Um, at, that, that. That, that's what, that's what yeah. I'm getting at. And, and uh, you know, uh, Timberland, Timberland is a, um, uh, you know, he's, he's a composer. He puts all of these things together, right? You know, clearly, clearly this is his album as much as it is Chris Cornell's. I mean that's that's really what I what I'm mean, what I'm sort of yeah, pointing yeah. to. Yeah, Oh, definitely. Right, and and, so, uh, well, yeah. and maybe that's why it sounds like Chris
4: Cornell again with a band or Chris Cornell singing over someone else's music. Which, I mean, it sounded he's sounded like that since the latter part of Soundgarden's career, <laughs> and so it's just. We're the same I
3: think I think the the time period is is real important to consider here too because uh, uh, rock and roll was kind of having a massive fade out towards the end of, uh, of uh, 2010s and well towards towards 2010 this came out in 2009 um, I I was playing in in rock bands for about 20 years uh, up until the point where uh, I got involved in doing production I actually started making money at that point but uh, I started in production for DJs and because the, I mean, there's nothing to watch on stage. There's no band. It's just like one guy up there, uh, playing back the stuff that he rec- or she recorded in their basements largely. And so it was all about, uh, lights and lasers and video. And so uh, I, I feel that Chris Cornell was probably trying to stay relevant, uh, to a large degree as well. He, yeah. he went, uh, cause cause a lot of the songs that, that he writes here. It's, it's got similar
2: themes to the stuff that he's written about before, just a, an entirely different format. Well, do we want to bring up the album cover then? Because we're talking about instruments <laughs> and the uh, cover is essentially <laughs> Chris Cornell breaking a guitar or trying to. I mean, which is, is very symbolic, I think. It's, you know, he is trying to break away with his past. I just don't think he he knew how to integrate with the future. That smashing the guitar know, thing is never going to go out problem. of
0: style. Thank you, Pete. Who do we do we do we have any idea whose idea this was?
2: Well, look. Apparently, the the um, studio told Chris that you know you should do some remixes from your last. Um,
3: carry on. It carry was a on. good yeah. record.
2: And so he record. met up with Timbaland to to do it, and the two of them sort of came up with the idea together. Although, oddly enough, as far as songwriting goes, neither Timbaland. Nor Chris Cornell wrote most of these songs. They're mostly written by some guy named Jim Beans. Or his real name is Jim Washington, I think. But yeah. So maybe he's the one who's going through a a, a nasty breakup on this album. I don't know. And
3: that that's interesting. I wasn't aware that. Uh, yeah, I, I I came into it just assuming that since it was a Chris Cornell solo record that he was the one writing the lyrics. But the but that's that's interesting. I I wasn't aware that he didn't write this. I
2: wasn't even looking that there might be a writer. I didn't even make that assumption. Well, and and <laughs> songwriting credits on pop songs are a um nebulous, uh, Leah signed, but yeah, neither Timbaland nor Chris Cornell have any, um, songwriting credits on this album at all. There's a a bunch of, you know, hit makers on here that I'm only familiar with by clicking the link on Wikipedia, but, um, yeah, it's not them. At least they weren't credited, which again, makes it feel more like the Elton John disco album where he wasn't as involved as he, he protests that he was.
0: Are they Scandinavian?
2: They some of them are. I mean, I <laughs> there's a guy on here named Baluwa Muhammad. I'm not sure where that's from or who that is, but uh, do we want to go on to the next one? It's yes. uh, time. It's time to go on mm-hmm. to the next one. Apparently so.
4: like ahead on the the kumia kind of trend.
2: Plus he's teaching you how to to read time on a clock, you know, when the big <laughs> hand meets the little hand, it's time to rewind.
1: <laughs> hey man, this is
4: one of those great songs that tells you how to do the dance that goes along with the song. Put your left leg <laughs> out and put your, you know, that's a uh,
2: <laughs>
4: they do have some like really old school organ on there which I appreciate. This is all of this is cool, except Chris Cornell's voice just does not like mesh with any of any of this. Well who do you think should sing it? This is like a kit... Um Adam Levine from Shakira Maroon Five.
2: Man. This is a killer Shakira
4: <laughs> tune or yeah, she
3: yeah, she could probably pull it off. I mean, I could see how. I mean, I would think uh, Chris Cornell, his his voice has so much soul. In fact, I remember thinking uh, way back in the '90s, hearing his stuff. It's like if you were to go back and and redo a bunch of Motown classics, that his voice yeah. would sound great. So you'd think that coming back around doing some soul pop stuff, that it would work. But it's it. I don't. It just
2: doesn't mesh. <laughs> And do you think it's from Chris Cornell's lack of uh, understanding of this type of music? Or is this just all he can do and they just or this is what they wanted him to do and thought it fit? I don't know.
3: Well, I he he described this as like you got to be in the right time and place to really understand it. You know, he he seemed to in interviews. He seemed to want to stand by it.
2: Yeah. He's not rejected this like a
3: no, well, but I, it's like how I, I don't understand this kind of music. And I, I don't think any of us here really do well to the extent, if, I mean, it makes us a middle really aged
2: difficult men. If we did understand this kind of music, we'd probably be put on a watch list. So
1: that's uh, for the yeah. best.
4: Right. I don't know. I uh like dance wise and, and uh musical style wise, this thing is just like all over the damn place. And it, it seems more like a, a collection of, of of dance singles with Chris Cornell singing over them than it seems like a an album. Like it's like they were just shotgunning it, like one of these is gonna be a, a club hit somehow. Yeah. Chris Cornell does yeah, karaoke I, it really kind does of, feel like yeah. that. Um, <laughs>
2: Can you imagine anyone dancing to this at a club? Wouldn't that voice be too distracting? Mean, I mean, it'd be like Tom Waits singing a, a, a the disco, disco. Position number. is not working as a strength.
3: Having worked at clubs, I I actually tried to visualize this. this this type of music with hit like it just I I I just I can't see this hitting, and I can't imagine how anybody. Uh, Anybody at the record label could have heard this and actually thought that this was going to actually work. I mean, maybe maybe they're just selling it based on the names, the collaboration. I mean, you got Justin Timberlake showing up on one of these tracks.
2: Uh, well, I'm sure that the, the um, record company was I just, I just glad don't to know. see him trying to do something popular, but uh, they should have known better. He was not one for yeah. it. Did
0: this album chart at yeah. all?
2: It it charted really high at first and dropped really low the next week. I mean, it debuted at number 10 and then went, like, dropped 55 places the next week. So it may have
0: paid for itself.
2: Well, music doesn't (laughs) cost as much to make as it used to, so...
3: Yeah, especially if you're not recording real instruments. There you go. See, it's all <laughs> there are.
2: <laughs> Once you've bought GarageBand, you're good to go. There are a number of
4: musicians uh, <laughs> listed on the, um, as the personnel on this. Of course, a lot of them are, are listed as um, background vocals and uh, programming and things like that. But there are uh, quite a few people uh, named as uh, um, instrumentalists, um, live drums and guitar and. Um, Guitar, I thought Chris Cornell smashed those. (laughs) They're always hiding one, man. Yeah, there
2: you go. Uh, Yeah,
3: I, I, you know, it makes me wonder. It's like, did I mean his? It's, it's his solo record. Did he do anything besides provide the voice, really? It
2: doesn't sound record. like it. I mean, he, he defended himself and said, yes, he was really involved. He wasn't just, you know, Timbaland's puppet. But Right. I disagree. The the There's nothing in this song, you know, the lack of credits on songwriting, I think, makes it seem like it was just, you know, Timbaland may have already produced these tracks and just had them sitting around and just threw chris cornell well, on top of them
3: well he was a troubled man maybe he felt
0: like for a moment working with these guys that he actually fit in yeah i don't know just a... well is is he is he putting us on in in uh, some quote i saw of of him he said that uh, 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 timberland would come up with with beats and then he would sit down and and write lyrics that's well. That's, that sounds. That sounds to me like he's saying that I wrote this album.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the uh, songwriting credits, at least the ones <laughs> I referenced right. on Wikipedia, which is never wrong, <laughs> do not mention unless you know he he has a, a stage name or something that he's writing under. But I mean, most like this last song was written by. Let me check. James Washington, Ezekiel Lewis, and Balwa Muhammad. I don't think any of those are Chris.
0: No, no. took three
2: guys
3: to write that.
4: <laughs> took three guys to take yeah. credit for it. <laughs> three guys to take credit, yeah. Own your, own your own publishing, kids. <sighs> ah, yes. Or you'll get revenged.
2: Sweet. Sweet revenge. Sweet, sweet revenge. Mm. Everybody up.
1: what is mine How much more can you get I already know what they want I already know what they spent The days I think like a woman I've been looking for fun I'm about to give up at home Gotta give back what they've cost Let me talk to the fans never was never one hand with dogs They just wanna take
3: my You know, I, I, I can hear Michael Jackson crushing that Yes, yeah, someone for, like that
2: But for some reason Chris just can't make it work Which is odd because he is normally A very scary and threatening Vocalist and that's what This song should have but It's I don't
3: know if it's lacking in production Or what but it says he does not Have the, the kind of raw Soul power that You're accustomed to hearing from Chris Cornell
2: Maybe they just recorded him badly I don't know I will say there's my favorite thing about this album all through it Chris Cornell never tries to rap That is true. I'm very grateful for that. He does? Yeah. You know
3: He he was uh before uh, uh Mike Patton got uh signed with faith no more chris cornell was their first choice but i thought of that because you mentioned the rap thing and the way that their first album with uh mike Patton included uh, well kind of a rap it was more making fun of red hot chili peppers i think but i'm getting off topic but
2: it was epic
3: it it was pretty epic it's pretty it's pretty it's i mean it's it's funny if you consider
4: that it was an actual real-life dick measuring contest between red hot chili peppers right. and faith are no more you, uh, are well, you suggesting that if uh chris cornell had gone on to front faith no more that mr bungle would have uh, continued to exist
3: I, you know, that's that's hard to say because uh, I think I think one of the stipulations for Mike Patton signing on with Faith No More was that uh,
1: Warner Brothers that pick up Mr. Yeah.
2: So I think I think that's a pivotal moment in history. Still but maybe Mike Patton could have joined Audio Slave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd kind of like to hear that. Yeah, me too.
2: Yeah, that's, I think uh, what's what Prophet's of Rage prospect. now got like what tone loke or some random
4: guy <laughs> singing for him i don't even know <laughs> uh, tone loke so on the on the audio slave thing though <sighs> it, it's a bad look when you replace a guy who can't sing at all in it and you can sing very well and the band really starts to suck when you join it like yeah. it's always kind of blown me away like on paper that like audio slave like before it had a name and before they released any music, I remember hearing about it, and I was like, "That sounds awesome! This is going to be amazing! This is going to be one of the craziest super groups ever! This is going to be fantastic!" And it was just massively underwhelming. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad. It
3: just it was wasn't the worst kind good. of bad. It was it was <laughs> it was
2: it was, re- it was stale. Yeah. It was kind of stale. Yeah. They brought out the worst in each other for whatever reason <laughs> unlike this album <laughs> yes
3: <sighs> uh, this is yeah maybe we should get up sorry guys this is this this is this is difficult we should keep moving there you go
2: <laughs> um what's next we got get up you gotta gotta get up to get down Generic pep talk. Indeed. If if Kurt Cobain were still alive, would he be doing this kind oh, of I stuff? I wish.
4: I wish so much. <laughs> it would make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, oh,
2: you need a backbone to roll with the world. Do with Miley Cyrus.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah. Oh. Apparently, there was a plan after this album came out to do rock. Versions like a, a an anti remix of this album. And he did like one or two songs, but it never got finished. I'd be kind of curious to as, to hear this with like you know guitar, bass, drums, straightforward rock and roll. But I don't think it would make it any better or make any more sense. <laughs> No, it's just like uh,
3: uh, just a lot of it is just has doesn't have it does have a lot of substance. I mean, if you if you look at the lyrics, it's mostly, uh, it's, I guess like a lot of pop songs that come out these days. It's it's just one phrase repeated over and over and over and over again, with a few other fill words put in there just to, just
2: to round it out as verses. It kind of remind me of that Anna Kendrick song "Cups," which is not a good thing. Maybe Anna Kendrick will play Chris Cornell in the inevitable Soundgarden biopic. What? A little fake mustache and a goatee. Face smirking. Yeah. She can pull
0: it off. Face smirking.
2: She's got the hair.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when is that biopic coming out? Well,
2: you know, we've got to finish all the other ones the Latoya Jackson biopic, the. Uh, I'm still waiting for that Chris Gaines movie to finally come out. (laughs) The Lamb. I want to see that.
0: Well, well, Ground Zero?
2: Ground Zero. Ah, The worst thing (sighs) to happen to Ground Zero since 9-11. On this yay yeah it's got a it's
3: got a it's got kind of a bluesy feel to it uh, i was thinking
0: curtis mayfield
3: yeah
2: yeah is there any funky drummer on this superfly funky drummers yeah, on everything <laughs> just accept it
3: yeah that's kind of what this uh this song is kind of about acceptance
2: <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs> it all falls down where are you gonna go Brown Zero, which is, like... Yeah. Probably was the name of a club back in 2001 that had to do some <laughs> rebranding. Um,
0: yeah, you know, maybe it was. That kind of makes more sense.
2: <laughs> but, you know, he should have known that by 2009. <laughs> Never forget, Chris <laughs> Cornell. Never forget.
3: Well, I mean, he, uh... His... Like I said it before, his first two solo albums weren't too bad. Euphoria, Morning—that was uh, that was a decent album. Carry On wasn't bad either. So I mean, if he hadn't forgotten, maybe we wouldn't have had to be subjected
2: to this. There you go. I mean, Timberland's <laughs> beats are so hot they 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 melt steel beams, unlike jet yeah. fuel.
3: <laughs> yeah, I should have done I should have done some more. Uh, I should have looked into Timberland a little bit more before we uh, we got into this because I mean
4: that's uh, that's a crucial part of understanding all this i believe since since Matt had his a couple of songs ago I'd I like to share my Timbaland uh, uh anecdote which was uh when I was in college I was in a big uh like art history giant six hundred people in an auditorium uh class where the uh um the professor was a big classical music fan and he was uh, a pretty happily explaining the significance of Bach and uh, a three-part polyphony and just what a revel, you know, revelation that was. And, uh, um, and someone in the middle of that stood up to uh, announce, yeah, but have you heard Timbaland?
1: <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> okay. It's
4: cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that always kind of stuck stuck with me. Yeah, you know? well, that's
2: really good. the two main people in music is Bach
4: and Timberland. Everything in between <laughs> is just uh-huh. you know filler. I uh, yeah, no, that's uh, there's something to that.
3: Yeah, it's just the the bookends of uh, music mm-hmm. history. Yeah,
4: best we can do.
2: <laughs> Maybe in another four hundred years we'll have one more good musician, mm-hmm. but
4: yeah, when the aliens, uh, the alien. Uh, <laughs> archaeologists uh, dig up our uh, crumbled cities. Uh, Yep, Bach and Timberland. Yeah. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix right there in the middle.
2: Well, moving on. (laughs) Sorry. A slow dance song
3: yeah I'm trying to figure out who he's singing about here this is like his uh, I don't know it could be zen poetry where he's uh, referring to his enlightened self or uh, cause I don't know it has a different tone than all the women he's singing about on this album yeah it's far more supportive although
2: it's also kind of stalking so <laughs> <laughs> I mean this almost sounds like a Nickelback song
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty generic. I would really. thought to put a hand clap on top of a snare, too? That's pretty innovative. <laughs> Bach.
3: Bach and
2: Timbaland, that's it.
3: Bach and Timbaland.
1: <laughs>
2: when I was, yeah, was a... listening to this album and making notes, at first I wouldn't notice when songs had changed. I'd start making notes and realize, oh, we're on the next song. But by this point, you know, anytime the music changed abruptly or suddenly, I assumed we were on to the next song and we were, not and it, it got rather well, confusing. Song did have interest in
0: that regard.
2: It had parts that didn't seem terribly well melded. I mean, they all Flow together in that they're the same tempo in the same key and they never stop. But yeah, what did you call the the this? It's like an acoustic guitar at the end.
4: And what did you call his style of singing? It's yowling or something like that. Yarling, yarling. I wouldn't necessarily.
3: Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, Chris Cornell was never like a yarler. He was never like down in the like that baritone. That's more. You know? of, yeah. Well, he has a yeah. he has this particular
4: <laughs> uh, mid rangey quality that a lot of great soulful singers have. That um, all by itself is not great. Um, like you wouldn't want someone with a you know. Like uh, Jimi Hendrix, for instance, is is a good example, or or Bob Marley, or um, uh, like Otis Redding, or somebody like that. Tom Jones. This, like very like uh, punchy mid-rangey thing that can cut through a lot of crazy, you know, like loud guitars and drums and things like that. But as a, as a breathy ballad singer, it's not really a, 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 a an asset. don't think and it's nothing against uh his his singing chops he's a fantastic singer but i think that that quality is best utilized singing in an ensemble with a bunch of crazy shit going on because you can hear him very clearly and when you have this kind of slow dancey ballady stuff you just expect to i mean like you expect to hear like a like a, a dainty Christina Aguilera. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something kind of kind of light, and he just he just can't. He's never going to do that. Um, and it sounds really out of place no. on a lot of these kind of club beats. Yeah, he yeah, was.
3: Uh, Soundgarden is never never much for balladry. <laughs> uh, not like uh, not like Aerosmith, for example. Maybe. Uh, uh, oh shoot why can't i think of his name steven tyler uh steven tyler yeah if, like steven tyler maybe could pull something like this off you know a little he has a little bit more of a voice for balloting yeah. but
2: uh yeah definitely not not uh well Stephen edie gourmet once did a cover of black hole sun so <laughs> definitely <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I guess it really comes down to
0: chemistry
3: and sometimes God, you know uh, a lot
0: about a lot of weird music, man. You know, um, <laughs> Peter Frampton did a, a cover of Black Hole Sun <laughs> too. There you go, so
2: it wasn't on the Pat Boone album though, unfortunately.
4: Can we listen to that instead? <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. That's true. Um, yeah
3: yeah i you know i I had some i had some strong opinions after i listened to this the first time you asked me to be on the podcast but it's like going through this is just like man it's so much easier to talk about things that you like (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like kind of delving into this trying just like i mean how 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 far can we really delve into just i mean till we're bringing
2: sexy back until we're bringing sexy back. Well, let's let's keep trying. There's more to this. <laughs> Take me alive, featuring Justin Timberlake. <laughs>
3: This one actually reminded me of uh, late era Allison Chains, to be
2: honest, just the 100%. Whole... Yeah. Absolutely. Composition,
3: even even the vocal production.
2: Uh, apparently Justin Timberlake co-wrote this song, but I don't hear a lot of Justin on here. It is very Allison Chainsy. Yeah, like as if
3: Justin was almost writing to be that. This is so he was taking his opportunity to be a grunge superstar like he'd ever got to be, much in the same way that uh, Chris Cornell was trying to be a pop star.
1: Exactly.
2: I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of pop other than Britney Spears, as we've established. But <laughs> is this like faux, exotic, foreign ish, but you know, non specific geography? A big thing in pop music now, because it, it seems like there's a lot of it. This sort of, I don't know, these scales and modes that that make it sound either, you know, Spanish or Persian or whatever, Indian. No,
3: you know, this this one, uh, I I've I've heard a fair amount of uh, more pop music than uh, I mean, I, I it's it's hard it's hard to latch on to not being a fan, but. Uh, this, this whole Middle Eastern theme, it's, it, sounds, it seems a lot more like something that would have been approached in the grunge era because they touched a lot of that. And even um, uh, Kim File playing guitar for Soundgarden, he brought a lot of that kind of influence to the sound. And I would think that maybe this is kind of a throwback to uh, a bit of a trademark for Chris Cornell. Yeah. I mean just just kind of uh trying to reclaim some of that sound in a different format.
2: So we're saying this is the closest to traditional Chris Cornell this album gets.
3: Uh actually, yeah. I would I think I it's would not feel comfortable, much, saying, but it's something. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It's just, a, it's just definitely trying to do a throwback and pop but still
2: there's a lot of cowbell. <laughs> Uh, can you ever have enough cowbell? <sighs> so we're we're moving right along. <laughs> this next song is "A uh, Long Gone, written by Ryan Tedder Ezekiel Lewis, Patrick G- J.Q. Smith, and Balawa Muhammad. telling us he's 17 so that means he's legal in some
1: states
2: (laughs) it also means you know he should move out of his his parents basement and into the apartment over their garage i mean that's what the lyrics seem to be saying is stay out of my room mom (laughs) Uh, at least at least he's topical well, he's he's aiming for that teenage market. How old was he by this point? Uh, he would have been uh,
3: he would have been about forty five years old. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, about about our age.
0: Yeah, sounds right. Well, a lot more people are living in Ish. their parents' basements now than <laughs> used to.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean. Chris had a pretty uh, lucrative career, so I mean, going back to live in his parents' basement would be yeah. kind of a strange move for him. But I mean, may- maybe to research well, the materials, well, you know, the, you the market know, but, he might have
0: been shooting for was, um, you know, grown man living in the basement, stuck yeah. in their room. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> grown man living in a basement. Well, it is a large demographic. If you can capture them, you can that's make some a good money. Dollar.
3: Yeah, just really getting emotional with this song. just think it's, man, I wish my mom would leave me alone.
1: <laughs> That's why I'm out of here, man. This scene is Don't... bumming me out.
4: You guys aren't cool anymore. <laughs> I know that this is the, the Timbaland produced, you know, uh, kind of poppy dance album where they, that they're, man, they're trying to have a club hit. so hard. But And I, I didn't listen through this whole thing with my little uh, Tap Tempo app or anything, but the tempos on this are. There doesn't seem to be very much variation. It's it's all like very mid tempo. I mean, I, I, I like, it's consistent. yeah, I think this thing exists within <laughs> like a like a five to ten beat per minute l- 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 envelope. The the whole album, it sure seems like, you know, or it, at least that's what it feels like from from song to song. Even when they do a drastic change in in a uh, uh, musical style, it still feels. Yeah, the slow songs are just as fast yeah, yeah, as the fast yeah, songs. Yeah, they're like the yeah the fast songs are about three beats per minute faster than the slow songs.
2: And and it's all supposed to be energetic, but when it's also the same, it gets really boring, which defeats the purpose of energy. Because nothing's worse <laughs> than being very energetic and very bored. It's like you know, shooting three Red Bulls and then going to class. It's a bad combo
1: and
3: with what with one song directly flowing into the next it's kind of like this same sort of monotonous wave i mean this album never peaks there's there is no there is no climax to any of this i mean the songs themselves don't really have a high point i mean it's all pretty verse chorus verse chorus and you know hardly even uh, an interesting bridge to speak of uh, it's it's very
0: it's very tantric it's, it's tantric (laughs) zen (laughs) he just
4: albums that we talk about in in uh that are are, uh, contemporary for this podcast you know a a bulk of the podcast kind of happens in the 70s and 80s it seems like but uh anything into the uh, 2000s we're dealing with uh uh, Napster in the internet coming and just like kicking the music industry in the balls you know Um this is after that and so do you think this album is just like fallout you know uh, <laughs> a, a dozen singles arranged on a thing with no expectation whatsoever that anyone would ever buy or listen to the whole thing as a well a, in a 2009 that was sort of the standard albums were not you know You're going to go to iTunes and you're going to buy the two that have the most stars next to the little vertical hash marks next to them. Now, the real question is, which album has more
2: variation in tone and theme, this or Metal Machine Music? Metal Machine Music. It's an odyssey. It is. It does.
0: It has more changes well, going just, on. That album is just continuous change. There's it's, no ugh. discernible patterns whatsoever. Um, there's yeah. there's definitely there's a lot of patterns in this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But, um. So what what club drug would go well with this album? Molly. <sighs> it's always uh, this isn't like a beer drinking hell kind of thing. No. <laughs>
4: Ecstasy, some E. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, where's Billy Gibbons at? On really this? Why is he not on this? <laughs> Billy
1: Gibbons She's should be on yeah. everything.
2: He's on William Shatner's
4: uh-huh. Christmas album. He would fit right if if he was on the track right after Timberlake. You'd be like, yeah, no, I get it. That that makes sense. He is a yeah. sharp dressed man.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, that's that's maybe its most crucial failing is the lack of involvement, with Billy Gibbons. Uh, Indeed. I don't know. People are doing lots of dopey. I mean, aren't isn't uh, uh, aren't uh, Pfizer and Merck uh, murdering uh, uh, a pretty significant chunk of the country at the moment with uh, with uh, shit you can go get your from your family doc, uh, Adderall um, or whatever. Um, uh, hydro uh what is it hydrococholine right, right, right. oh yeah that'll
2: cure so, right uh,
3: the fat the new fad dog bleach uh, drug yeah
2: no i thought the fad drug was yeah,
0: bleach <laughs> bleach yeah that's that yeah that's this week's kids love bleach nirvana was way ahead <laughs> and this is what this is what i'm gonna try i'm pretty sure it'll work yeah uh that's a good way to start i have both both at home mm. and at work have have
4: purchased uh about two gallons worth of Everclear to make uh, a, a degreaser and sanitizer with, and it's pretty fun.
2: Everclear—that now that screams I'm seventeen. <laughs> it's it good is. for a lot of things. <sighs> Watermelons. Getting
3: also yes, <laughs> yeah, getting uh, getting uh, uh, the sticky
4: labels off of. Uh, uh, stuff that you bought. It does. It will. <laughs> it will not eat up your nitrocellulose lacquer like hardware store uh, uh, alcohol will. It has xylene and nasty shit in it. So you. I mean. Plus, you can drink you, it.
2: You can. Not the hardware
4: store oh, one. wow. for injecting, only. <laughs> I don't know if I drink <laughs> it, but. Well, should we go to the title track? Get through this thing. I'd rather. Yeah. Eat my yeah, I'd rather drink my Everclear, Scott. Guess- but...
1: Huh. <sighs>
3: In certain circles, this could be interpreted as gaslighting.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, this is. There's no need to scream, baby. <laughs> it's like, look, I, I I'm,
4: you're the you're, one yelling at me. Yeah, you're the crazy, <laughs> crazy bitch. I'm just being reasonable here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there. Uh, musically, there's a thing that I've noticed. Um, with this album. These the rhythms and backing tracks on a lot of this are very. Um, if they're not like actually polyrhythmic, they have a, a sort of hemiola um, kind of thing that implies a, a polymeter. Um, and Chris Cornell's vocal phrasing, whether he in fact wrote any of this stuff, is like absolutely. Count to four or count to eight, kind of shit. I think it's just his instinct, and it's I think part of the reason it just sounds and feels wrong with the with the, a lot of the backing tracks that, you know, if you just focus in on the backing track, you really wanna, you know, like start to wiggle and dance a little bit, or even you know, like they work that way, you know, you get this driving kind of you know loping. Dance music thing—that's that's, that's uh, pretty energizing—and then you've got this. As soon as, as soon as you start to let his vocal phrasing get into your mind, it just kind of kills it. It's it's, silences golden. Yeah. well, it's. Uh,
3: uh, a lot of his work with Soundgarden. One of the things that really made Soundgarden pop was the fact that they were, to take, they were able to take uh, odd time signatures yeah. and actually create a groove out of it. And he sat, and it sounded great when it all came together. It was full of soul, and, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm rocking out to five four. Yeah. You know, it's like it actually, no, no, the straightforward
4: four four click, click, click just doesn't, doesn't it, it doesn't work. Yeah, like the the groove is going like doo ba doo ba boom ba doo ba boom, and Chris Cornell is going da 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 da, da on top of it, and it just doesn't. It's like he it's like
3: he it doesn't he doesn't know what to do with it. Almost as if it's like it's just not clicking with him even. Yeah, it's it just that does not compute.
4: <laughs> and and perhaps, like you know, as Matt was describing earlier. Timbaland played him some beats and he, you know, wrote or just performed some lyrics that maybe, claimed. yeah, claimed to have written some some lyrics, <laughs> but, you know, maybe he did his thing and maybe he's not listening, you know, maybe he didn't hear what the finished thing was when he was laying down his part. I would believe that he was. Right. He, he was just singing, he was, to a metronome. Or he was singing to a very right. different version of the backing track and then a lot of this other stuff was either added later or. That's just not what he was listening to when he recorded his parts because they really, it's not, it's not square peg round hole. It's like they seem superimposed. They seem
0: thematically disconnected. Well, I think you're right. Um, What little I know about modern mixing techniques, uh, an awful lot goes on when they're, when they're, uh, you know, you, you can send, you can send tracks to one mixer and get a completely different song back from a different one. And, um, you know, so I'm not saying it's their fault. Maybe they maybe this is the best they could do with the material they were sent. But why does he got a scream at the top of yeah, his yeah, head? It's a weird. That's a weird phrase. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Well, it's it's uh it's his uh, partner that's screaming at the top of her. Yeah. Head. Yeah. He's you not know.
2: screaming at all. Uh, no. no,
3: no, no. I think. Uh, yeah. Scott, you actually sent me the the video for this song to get me pumped for this. And uh, a lot of it is just, is just Chris Cornell kind of sitting there despondently while whoever his partner is, is just, just screaming at him. You know, he's so sitting there disinterested and and she's just yelling at him and in all these different places, like they're driving in the car, they're, they're at home in bed, they're, uh, just all, all everywhere. They're everywhere. And it's just happens all the time. And it's oh. almost like, yeah, it's just Poor, it's abused like a,
2: Chris Cornell. Yeah, that's
3: kind
0: of the that's kind of what my takeaway is from this. So so do we think he's um, identifying with these songs? I don't know. He
2: didn't. You know, this one is written by James Washington, a.k.a. Jim Beans. I died. Maybe he he was, you know, singing about an ex or maybe, you know, he was just mad at the rest of the band for yelling at him for doing a solo career. I'm just not I don't confused
0: know. about the aphorism, you know, screaming at the top of your head. You know, I kind of get screaming at the top of your lungs. I mean, is she aiming for his head or her own head or what? What?
2: You gotta use your chest voice, not your head voice. It's, <laughs> yeah, no. If
1: you wanna scream,
2: you gotta resonate from the uh, diaphragm.
3: Yeah, I get yeah, it. That's a weird phrase.
2: Enemy? The enemy! <laughs> this town needs an enemy! get a marching band <laughs> breakdown.
3: Oh, I kind of feel like there is a mass identity crisis going on where it's almost like whoever's writing this music is writing it for who they think Chris Cornell is. And uh, and Chris Cornell because, is not well, And he is not necessarily. I mean, it's like he has this trademark angst and I feel like they're writing for that.
2: Definitely. But well, yeah, Angst and pop music are, are, are strange there. bedfellows. It's the, yeah, the theme of the whole fucking record. <laughs> oh, he now knows that the bullet is him.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: this was one that really threw me off, I'm sure, you know, because at some point he starts singing about being on the other side of town. And I thought, well, we <laughs> must be listening to the other side of town. No, but no, it's still enemy. I mean, that's how much these are. Maybe this is all supposed to be performed as one long piece. It isn't, you know, 14 tracks. It's just one, like, symphony You know, of-
4: on the Wikipedia page, it does say that he described the album as... Uh, uh, he compared it to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and A Night at the Opera. Um, so... In that it is audible? Yeah, that is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, he was citing <sighs> the psychedelic elements that Timbaland brought into the production.
0: Yeah, I don't, um, but I don't hear, yeah, it
4: at all, not at all. No, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> disjointed. There's no, I, if, if there's lyrical themes, it's just kind of being about being a miserable fucker with shitty relationships, yeah, with a yeah, me girlfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> right? right. <That's> it. <laughs> It it sure seems like you could knock that out in about two minutes and a uh, one song. Yeah, these
3: songs are kind of long, and uh, and the way that they're they're bridged together because uh, it's like they were intended to be listened to as a chunk. That's not, that's the way concept albums work. You just it's almost like watching a movie, except you just listen to the whole album front to back. But it. There again, with pop music, it does not work. I mean, pop music is about
4: like a three-minute hit here or there, but I mean, or even I mean, as you go back farther, you get into everything being forty-fives, and it's like a minute thirty, even. Right. Like, get it done quick yeah. because you're running out of room. Ru- you're gonna hit the label soon, you know. And and yeah, I remember first first time I
3: listened to this, like, in fact, with my notes after Enemy, I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, uh, I I listened to the whole thing But it's just like Man Yeah So they, yeah After Enemy You get into the other side of town And that's where It just
1: <laughs> Yeah Drips. That's so a good segue I, go. I to tell her But I just did
2: Friend is such a bitch. She's still mad at me
0: that I cheated on her.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, if this, if if Death. even <laughs> if he didn't write these, if they do have an autobiographical quality, you know, he might, he might have a reason. There might be a reason why he has trouble with love. Yes. She wouldn't compromise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that almost sounds like a Taylor
2: Swift theme. Indeed. On the plus side, it's almost four minutes before that snare stops. <laughs> I was gonna so say, so so going to say, it just keeps going. I the first minute I stopped, like, what the hell? Wham, 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 wham. Yeah,
1: did,
3: did did they anticipate that these tracks were going to be played at a club? Because I mean, it's I, it's just it's 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 bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not
3: it's not good stuff. I don't I don't like. It's there's nothing about the nothing about any of these tracks that
4: are that is grabbing. The shortest song on here is three minutes and nine seconds, right? But I'd say the average is somewhere.
1: Yeah, four and a half, and a half to five. What
4: yeah. The fuck are they doing?
0: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> Why? Well, right. If it is, if your intent is to make dance music. That kind of makes sense, but... um. Yeah, but you do that where it's still
4: like a a two-minute something pop song, and the DJ buys the instrumental, you know, 12-inch single, and he, like, laps it as many times as he needs to until people aren't feeling that song anymore. They figured out how to do that before they even figure out how to record stuff digitally. Right. Like, this is massively unnecessary there's never a breakdown there's never a drop
3: there's any nothing that would like grab someone's attention on a dance floor to actually make them like oh yeah you know just start wigging out to it there's just it's it's just that same kind of moderate tempo four four malaise for a very long time
2: four minutes and 48 seconds he should have gone to the other side of town i mean <laughs> he should have stayed where he was yeah <laughs> The grunge side of town. He shouldn't have gone to Pop Town. No. Because then he he cheated on his girlfriend, and now she won't compromise, and she won't talk to him anymore.
1: Well, yeah, he's
2: sad. Yeah. You know, his bio doesn't even mention this album.
3: Uh I just thought of that. I was reading his bio. (laughs) It talks about his illustrious career, and it just glazes over Scream. Well, you know. Of course, he's... (laughs) Probably went back to the right side of town after this. In fact, he did, because they recorded another Soundgarden album, and it was it was really it was decent. It was Soundgarden, you know, back in form. So I don't know, maybe this was a turning point.
0: Stick with what you know. He learned uh, his lesson.
2: Right, right. Don't quit your day job. Well, so he was gone, but he was not long gone. <laughs>
0: Like we're climbing the walls
1: here. i your
3: I think this song is about this album.
0: Yes. He's climbing up Sorry the for torturing you guys.
3: It, it's... Uh, <laughs> sinking so low, thinking you'll be high. Biting your lip while you're losing your mind.
2: Yeah. Climbing the walls. I mean, it, it's got, you know, the closest to a live drum sound. I don't think they're real drums by any stretch, but, you and know... They probably are. There's even, like, a lead guitar bit on there's there. There's a bunch so. of people well, credited H- it as
0: live drums on... The- yeah. Track well it's really it's really hard to tell because you can you know you everything is sampled now right so you just you can play real drums and then do whatever you want with them that's correct yeah mm-hmm. this sound this is
4: the most 2008 sounding shit I've ever heard this is a, it's a time machine in a four minute song <laughs> to a, a time we'd rather forget time when music pop music production was
0: awful
2: oh <laughs> Are you saying Creed couldn't have made this better?
0: You guys, you you guys are so jaded. I don't know, yeah, Uh, it just does (laughs) sound really good in my uh,
4: uh, uh, white plastic uh, headphones that came with my uh, uh, iPhone. Remember when you could still plug headphones into an iPhone?
0: Remember when people still had heads? You You still can in an iPad. There you go. Oh no.
4: Well, then and you, my iPad's like 11 years old. then there's that old. weird...
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work like it used to. Programmed
2: obsolescence. I still got my Apple Newton. Nice. <laughs> nice.
4: Yeah. Does it still work? No, but you know. It's, it's, it's there. I use it with my Zoom. In, insert Byron the ball, the parable
2: here. Oh, and this song ends with, like, 30 seconds of, like, Chris singing some sort of demo of a song onto his his phone recorder, which is weird. And then he asks if someone's still asleep, so I'm assuming he's talking about his kid or something. He was trying to make a, a demo while his kid was asleep or something. But it's possibly the most sincere and real moment on the whole album, and it comes at the very end. Or near the very end. Yeah. It's, uh,
3: talks about staying up all night working on his songs. He's so tired. He's drunk. Right about what you know, Chris Cornell yeah. drank.
4: Yeah.
3: Oh well, yeah, he got Chris Cornell. He did. He did a lot of things apparently.
4: But uh, well, I, I hate cap. to speculate about this, but uh, uh, was he was a victim of the 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 old uh, chokey strokey right? I, I don't think yeah. so. There's some
0: speculation.
3: Yeah, no, he there. uh, yeah, there's uh some no, speculation. No there. he Yeah, he um no he, he uh he yeah. hung himself and uh ironically it was on the uh the same day as uh Ian from Joy Division also uh hung himself on that same day. So I don't know, there's been some speculation as to whether there was some kind of Correlation to his decision, mm. but I, I don't, I don't know.
0: That's a did, weird did place you to go. Did he listen to the
4: idiot before he did that?
0: Nah, never mind. If he hung <laughs> himself on the same day he as David Carradine, that would be a coincidence. They were close together, though, right? Well, In a year or so, maybe.
2: No, Chester Bennington like died like a week before Chris Cornell. That's those were the two that uh, were like, right, right close right, together. right, right, right. So you know. Mm. All your grunge heroes will die by yeah, their own that's hand. Kind
1: of, it's
4: kind of a theme with that scene. Not, uh, not too long uh, after uh, the um, uh, Bach uh, uh, Timberland uh, incident, one of my uh, college buddies did tell me that uh, the uh, um, it was Chester's band's name. Uh, Linkin Park was the future of music. <laughs> and that they were really uh, singularly important and had changed music uh, um, permanently for the better.
0: Well, they were the future of music oh. for a while.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Until yeah. the future changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta watch out for that. Pick it up, pick it up, watch out, now pick it up. Well, I had some
4: movement in it. This mm. this album really, uh, I don't know why, but of all the ones we've discussed, it really is connecting the most with me to the the, the talking heads, the all-talking, the all No-head. No uh, one that's just being kind right. of flat in a way. It, it, like, there's some critical ingredient missing. Um... So you're saying David Byrne should work with Timbaland? Yeah, that'd be great.
2: Like if anyone could. Or Chris Cornell, but. We want more marching uh, band.
4: That ship has sailed. Sadly. Hey, hey.
2: Now, should we pick it up or watch out? Those seem slightly contradictory to me. Mm. Well, it, it looks like
3: I mean the lyrics seem to be about a, a woman on speed that is driving and she will not stop
2: (sighs) crazy women drivers
3: yeah it's i don't know it's hard hard to pick up going 90 in the residential zone she's not stopping for red lights it's three in the morning
2: watch out road's on fire well maybe she shouldn't pick it up then maybe she should slow it down yeah (laughs) calm down a bit then we get some more of that old-school organ on there, which is an odd choice. Yeah, there was
0: a kind of, rip, you know, that um, synthesizer ostinato as well. I kind of enjoyed that Watch out! for a while.
1: In the mirror,
2: <laughs> Maybe it's Stockholm Central, but I'm starting to like it by this point. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's
1: gonna catch then she leave you to the
2: Oh, and the whole thing ends like a film strip in a a school, you know, A.V. Club or something, which is an interesting choice. It was all a movie. It didn't really exist. Chris Cornell never made this album. Go back to sleep.
3: We erase it. We just move on. Doesn't show up in the bio. Just let it be. I mean, he has plenty of other successes, especially after this.
2: But we have one more bonus track. Written by John Mayer <laughs> Yay John Mayer It's called Two Drink Minimum. Yay In the song
1: for to rise I'm lonely and I'm thirsty but it's better from crying
3: i gotta say this one works better than probably anything else on the record
2: it is Scott. completely unrelated to anything on this album which might be oh, yeah, is yeah a hidden track. absolutely yeah <laughs> i'm surprised he didn't do like a blues album because that's what this you know a a Chris Cornell blues album, I could be okay with. It'd be at least easier to swallow than the Chris Cornell dance pop remix.
3: Yeah, this 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 track is actually a lot. Um, it his voice his voice fits on this. It sounds it sounds a lot more natural. It has uh, you know that whole feel of like uh, blues yeah. band in a bar. It's totally different than the the, the shivery, Uh,
2: Pop synthesizers All over the rest of it I really wish uh, Not enough harmonica On this album
0: (laughs) It it makes you Wish that uh, Chris Cornell Fronted the dead Rather than John Mayer Yeah (laughs) Well Indeed (laughs) You can play guitar All right Yeah A lot of people Can play guitar
1: All right Fuckin' (laughs) it Yeah <laughs> well, why? Why is it
0: bad? You know, I, maybe, maybe we're just all stuck up. Maybe there's, the, you know, maybe if we put this on our iPod Shuffle and these songs came well, up, definitely. I mean, you know,
2: <laughs> well, yes, in in you know five minute chunks as opposed to sixty five minute chunks, this album is a little easier to get <laughs> through. <laughs> but I'm not sure that it's really is a recommendation. Minutes? It's over. It, yeah, an just hour? About. Yep. Yeah, an hour of your life you're never getting seem... back.
3: Uh, Good first God. time I, uh, first time I listened to it, I couldn't believe it kept going. It's still
1: going over
0: seventy-five. I was, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just describing
4: the podcast to someone earlier today and and mentioning uh, uh, that uh, mercifully most really weird outlier albums uh, are barely thirty minutes long. <laughs> As, as if they yeah, knew that, that they were. Village People
2: one was twenty eight.
4: Yeah. yeah. Oof. CDs
0: ruined a lot of things. Apparently <laughs> so. Mm. Well, so so wow. I just to sort of circle back a bit. Um, so do we have any insights as to the purpose of this record? Other, I mean, was it just a cash grab by the uh, by the record company? was this cash grab or tax shelter, right? or tax shelter was this Chris Cornell's, you know, saying I need to see how far I can push things before I, uh, decide sound garden is the way to go. Um, well, I think, I think, I think Chris wanted to try it out. You know, he, he wanted to explore. He, he always, he, uh,
3: he was, he was the progressive, uh, godfather of grunge to a lot of people. So I was just like, trying to stay relevant 2009 i think i think there's a lot of reason for him to want to try this out uh, i i think it's it's strange that he couldn't admit to himself that it didn't work maybe in his mind it did
2: well it seems like it was designed to sell records and it did not sell records so in that you know in that goal I, it failed but
3: yeah uh yeah, a moment of sobriety for the record company, so they found out that they couldn't just
4: put a bunch of names together and have it just automatically work. Yeah, but Audio Slave had already happened, so they should have learned that one already, you know? That's, it's just weird that
3: the, it's weird that this was marketed as a as a Chris Cornell solo record when it's like all he did was like appear on it as a vocalist. When there's so much I mean i guess that's like we were saying earlier that's that's the way that pop music tends to work but yeah it's just a strange uh strange decision for for
0: chris but i mean hey he did it that's true uh, we can't argue with he, probably, that. he probably learned a lot from it what? And, and you know <laughs> pop music is a strange thing too you know throwing throwing people's names on something is a way you know, like we said, you can you can get an initial sales burst, that sort of thing, but you really don't know what's gonna hit. And um yeah. you know, um, you put a whole bunch of stuff together, maybe one of these it didn't turn out that way, maybe one of these, you know, turned up a diamond, and there's your gold mine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, shot in the dark. they missed <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I guess that'll probably uh, cover us for this album. We've said all there is to say. Um, is there anything you want to plug? I mean, Aaron, is, can we get you to fabricate a thing for us? Does the world well, still exist?
3: Yeah, well, I, I'm guessing so. Um, I uh, I started a fabrication shop, Parallaxis uh, Design and Fabrication, with the intent of. Uh, I wanted to, you know, I've been doing stage production for the last 10 years, a lot of stuff at festivals and uh, uh, events, and uh, I wanted to get more into the actual design of uh, of the stage itself and kind of the aesthetics of everything rather than being behind a, a control board like I've been, so um i'm kind of a novice when it comes to the fabrication itself but i got a lot of experienced people that are are hopping on board to be a part of it and i'm learning quickly i have a lot of ideas and, and they're helping to bring it to fruition but uh um yeah it's uh I'm not sure exactly what to plug at this point because we're trying to find a new product. Most of what we're doing is based in the events industry, which is kind of uh, in a coma for the next eighteen months. So, um, but uh, but yeah, keep an eye out because as soon as we have a a, a product that we will put out there, I'll, I'll definitely be uh, be plugging it. Cool.
2: Well, if 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 something <laughs> happens between the recording and the um posting of this we'll have links on the show notes and whatnot um is there anything
4: else possible to plug do we want to you know shout outs to anyone uh there's no there's new gert versus goom music coming fairly soon on Bandcamp, but you know not yet someday soon 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 well, in that case, we'll,
2: we will humbly ask that you take a minute to go into whatever podcasting application you are currently using to listen to the show with and uh, rate us and write us a review. That way we know we're not talking to ourselves and that we're not crazy. And you can always drop us a line at Outliers at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for albums we should cover in the future. And uh That'll do it for us this week. Tune in next week while we try and figure out who this artist is.
1: How can I pray when I got on? Hey, the is Sometimes life just